0: Welcome to Arise Church, where we exist so that you can experience God. I pray that this message will encourage, inspire, and grow your faith in God. Enjoy the message.
1: What is up, everybody? If you're new to our church, my name is Brent. I get the privilege of being your lead pastor. And next week, we start this series called Love Songs. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, Hopefully, we got a lot more baby dedications in the future out of that series. Marvin Gaye and some boys to men. And anyway, um, uh, it's going to be awesome. Invite somebody to that. We're going to talk about relationships, marriage, even going to have one uh, uh, part of it that talks about singleness. It's going to be a really amazing series and a fun time coming together. Um, we always want to celebrate as we get started. There's always a lot to celebrate. Uh, let me give you two things real quick. One, uh, a friend of mine planted a church in Tampa last night. It was their first service. His name is Sheldon Harris. Yeah. And uh, they planted Kairos Tampa, and I just love what he's doing. And you actually sowed into his church financially. You actually bought him something that he needed uh, for the launch, and just really proud to be able to partner with other churches. Come on, so it's not about a rise, it's a church with a capital C, it's the kingdom of God. Uh, and then also want to quickly mention this: that one of our very own, Pastor Pratyasha, who leads our evangelism teams, him and Ashley, uh, Pastor Pratyasha is about to head into the Middle East. Where are you at, Pratyasha? Can you run up here, oh, right there? Run up here real quick. That was bizarre because you went backwards. And then just run this way, towards me. <laughs> So, Pastor Pratios, we we always want to look at missions as an extension of ourselves. Uh, Pastor Pratios will be for the next few weeks in uh, the Middle East. Come come on. Um, How long are you going to be going? He'll be there for two weeks doing ministry there. Uh, This is his ministry that he brought with him when he came. We are a partner in this ministry with him. Uh, You leave on Wednesday, right? And so he leaves on Wednesday. He's an extension of you and I. And so just like with any other missions team that goes out, we always want to take our individual missionaries and send them out with um, our blessing and the anointing of God going with them. Amen? Amen? All right, can you just extend your hands this way? Let's pray over. Lord, I thank you for those willing to accept the call. And I pray that over these next two weeks, God, that there is a unique anointing on his life to walk and, and and step into something that's deeper, that's wider, that's more profound than what he ever has in the past. God, I pray that you go before him and open every door that needs to be opened in front of him, uh, Same, uh, shut every door that needs to be shut, and God, that you use him in a tremendous way. Allow him to come back and be able to share testimony after testimony after testimony of your goodness and your grace. God, as he steps into a very dark area of the world, let him be let him bring the light of Jesus Christ and be anointed and empowered to actually be everything that you're calling him to be in these moments. Use him in a great way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Over the next two weeks, make sure that you uh, keep Pastor Pratyash in your prayers. And, uh, and then I think pretty soon uh, we're sending uh, Elton to Brazil as well. Uh, by the way, um, you probably see this in your worship guide. I think we ran out of them this morning, but uh, your worship guide that uh, uh, we do have a trip to Costa Rica coming up this summer and some information meeting about that. We got some Ticos in the room? Ticos is what you call somebody from Costa Rica. Some of you are like, he's rude. No, that's... that's <laughs> Uh, So yeah, Costa Rica this summer, Uh, and then we're looking at uh, right after the summer going to Brazil, Um, and so those are kind of on the table now. Praise God we're getting to a place with COVID that we can uh, evangelize the world again in that regard. Uh, So anyway, 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 Um, thinking about that, right, you go to Costa Rica, they speak what language? Spanish. Come on, half of you guys speak Spanish. They speak Spanish, right? Um, You go to Brazil, what do they speak? Portuguese. Portuguese. Did you know that around the world there are an estimated 6,500 languages? Uh, Just around the United States, there's five or six because you got New Yorker, New England, (laughs) you got Louisiana, you got true Southern, right? Um, They got their own dialects. Um, But there's like 6,500 different languages with different dialects within them. Uh, Oftentimes, things that mean something one minute mean something different another minute, and so. uh, Even our English language changes all the time, right? Uh, And so, like, if somebody comes up to you and says, like, I'm salty, that means something completely different right now than it meant 20 years ago. 20 years ago, you're like, what the snot? Like, you spilled salt on yourself? What? Right? Um, The big one for me lately is uh, is, uh, a minute. People are like, oh, I ain't seen you in a minute. I'm like, it's been like 10 years. What do you mean a minute? I ain't seen you in a minute. I always have to sit down with Pastor Kieran every once in a while. I'm like, teach me the modern words because I'm just lost in this whole thing. Uh, but the church has these words too, right? So we use church words like saved. If, if you're not in church, you're like, you got saved from what? Like something was attacking you. Or we say, you were lost. Lost. Like, like, like were you in the woods at night? Like, like, like I know some of the guys at Men's Tree, you get lost in the woods, man. A bear attacks uh, Dion, I don't know. Um, uh, we talk about the word. Preach the word. What is the word? Uh, we talk about backslider. He's a backslider. What does that mean? In my mind, I think, like, Michael Jackson is the world's greatest backslider because he could do the moonwalk, you know? Like, what is the back? And we use, like, hallelujah, um, and people say, like, we just sing about it, raise a hallelujah, and people are like, yeah, what does that mean? Even when we say hallelujah, we don't know how to spell it because some people put the H, some people put the A. There's a reason for that, but, but it is funny. We use churchy phrases, churchy phrases, uh, things like, 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 um, like Pastor Ken says this all the time. He says, we want to love on them. If you're not in the church world, that could sound really creepy. <laughs> We're looking for a kid's pastor who will love on our kids. You're like, yeah, I don't know how much loving you're doing on my kid. You stay, anyway, sorry. That's just creepy. We talk about hedge of protection. Like, like, what's, it's a hedge. Come on. Like, you couldn't get like a wall or a fence or, uh, we say being born again, even in biblical times, being born again was, was a controversial one as far as like trying to understand it. Nicodemus is like, am I supposed to go into my mother's womb again? Um. Yeah, and then we got all the ones about the, about the heart, all the cardiologists' phrases, right? Like, bless their heart, which really means you're stupid. Uh, guard your heart. Watch your heart. Guard your heart with a hedge of protection. Right? And then if you grew up in Pentecost, we have even more phrases and words in Pentecost. <coughs> we say, because if you grew up, like, we don't do this now. If you grew up in Pentecost, it was the Holy Ghost. Not the Holy Spirit. Now we've graduated to the Holy Spirit. Back in the day, it was the Holy Ghost. And people, you know, it's like, I'm not sure if I want this ghost. Like, that's a little like. And so people are like, the Holy Ghost touched me. Who's coming to this church if the Holy Ghost is touching people? Like, the ghost is, this is like paranormal activity going on. And you're like, I don't know about the ghost touching me. Speaking in tongues. If you're not from the church, you're like, doesn't everybody speak with their tongue all the time? Like, you cut it out, you can't really talk. Some of you sound like you're in Louisiana when you cut it out. Anyway, uh, tearing through, I'm praying through, I'm praying through. What does that mean? Can I get a witness? Slain in the Spirit's a big one, right? Because yes. <laughs> you come to church and the Holy Spirit is going to slay you. That draws you to come to church, right? Come in, come down to the altar, the Holy Spirit's going to knock you out, right? So, so these phrases that we use, like they totally make sense in the Christian context, but you talk to an unbeliever, some of you in this room, you're like, I don't what any of those mean right now. I'm just lost. You'll figure it out. Just hang around long enough, you'll, you'll figure all that out. Um, but I want to emphasize this, this, this one big word. I actually used it a couple times when I was praying over uh, Pratios a second ago. Uh, and that's this word, anointed. Anybody know that word, church word, anointed? You don't really hear it outside of the church very often. Anointed, anointed. And we say things like, that preacher is anointed. That worship pastor is anointed. That singer is anointed. Man. And we love it when people get anointed, but then we're like, I don't have a clue what that means exactly. <laughs> They're anointed. I know it's a good thing, but what is it? Let, let's unpack that for a few moments as we kind of uh, dive into this galaxies and stars idea. Okay, if you're taking notes, for those of you who got notes with the worship guides, um, to be anointed means to be set apart and empowered for a specific task. So you're, you're set apart or sanctified. You're set apart for God for a specific task and you're empowered to do that task. Uh, The anointing is mentioned throughout the Bible uh, where the Holy Spirit would come on somebody For a task at hand. And so you see it all the way back with like Samson, uh, you know, he picks up a donkey jawbone, the Holy Spirit comes on him, he slays a thousand Philistines. Nehemiah, the Holy Spirit came on him to build the wall. Uh, Elijah and Elisha and many of the prophets, the Holy Spirit came on them to do miraculous works. Others of the prophets, the Holy Spirit came on them to prophesy. Uh, Not that those are not interchangeable. Um, uh, and, And you see this kind of throughout the Old Testament that the great men and women of God, the Holy Spirit would come on them to do a specific task. But when you get into the New Testament, it kind of shifts because the connotation of the Old Testament is the Holy Spirit came on them, they did the task, and then it might not have been there much longer. But in the New Testament, you see this where the Holy Spirit comes on somebody and remains. It's like the dove landing on Jesus, and the Bible says that the dove of the Holy Spirit remained on Jesus, right? And so in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit comes on somebody, but then he remains. And so so in the New Testament, you see Jesus doing miraculous miracles. It was through the anointing of God. It wasn't just that he was God, because he was also fully man. It was through the anointing of God that Jesus goes around and preaches the kingdom of God, and then as well does miracles. It's the anointing of God that would come on Peter on the day of Pentecost and he would preach and thousands would get saved. It's the anointing of God that would send out the people from the upper room and the people would experience God through their words and message and deeds. Uh, It's the anointing of God that would cause uh, the apostle Paul to get saved and become anointed and write two-thirds of the New Testament. Um, It's the anointing of God that would follow and, and intertwine with these lives in the New Testament that would do the miraculous deeds and preach the miraculous word of Jesus Christ. Um, And it didn't just end uh, with the New Testament. It continues to go on to this day. And you could look in church history and see somebody like Martin Luther, who was anointed to nail his 95 thesis to a German church and begin what we now call the Reformation, which was really him just trying to reform the church. He's trying to make things right in the church. But he had a unique anointing to be able to handle the pressure and the difficulties of doing that. Uh, You could go to a one-eyed black man from the wrong side of the tracks that would go into Los Angeles and start the Azusa Street Mission and the birthplace of the entire Pentecostal movement. This, this, young man by the name of William Seymour would be uh, anointed to carry forth this message of Pentecost and people from all over the earth would come there to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and and nowadays we all kind of look back in the Pentecostal world as that being our birthplace. And so he was anointed to do that. You could go back to 1959 when Bill Wynn is driving through Brandon and, and he says, I just feel like God's calling me to plant a church in Brandon and 1959 he plants Brandon Assembly of God which years later becomes a Rise Church, and, and somebody who's anointed to do that. The anointing is like that. Are, are you with me? Yeah, yes. it, it empowers you. It makes ministry easier. And sometimes the anointing will change because you're always anointed, but what you step into might change the level of anointing or what the anointing is in that moment. Uh, for instance, I have anointing to, to pastor this church and, and, and speak to you guys and teach you guys. That's a good moment for somebody to say amen so I don't get depressed this afternoon. I'm like, they really don't like me anymore. Um, (laughs) So I have an anointing to do that. But then there's been other times that I'll step into another anointing for a specific task. So I remember uh, one uh, one of the moments where this was most obvious in my life, I was uh, doing a pastor's conference in Bogota, Colombia, and, uh, uh, speaking and teaching all these pastors. They said, we want you to speak for this event that night. The pastor's conference went long. And so in the valley below Bogota was a valley called San Francisco, and they're going to drive us down and take me down to the valley so I could speak. Well, the pastor's conference went long, so we were late. And if you've ever driven in Latin America, God bless you. <laughs> it's like driving in New York, but worse. And so, um, so we start driving and I'm in the back seat and I'm not usually one to get car sick, but they are driving hundred miles an hour, weaving in and out of cars, you know, the whole nine yards, like, and just flying down this mountain, very kind of chaotic and, and nuts. And, and by the time we got to the church, um, I felt like my face was green. I got enough Irish in me. It often turns red, but at this moment it was green. And I'll be honest. I felt like I could vomit any second. I'm not trying to be gross. I'm just trying to paint a picture. So I felt like I could vomit any second. They get there. They're rushing me in because we're late. We're like, I don't know, 45 minutes or late or something for the service because uh, of traffic and, and, and all that. And, and, and we're rushing in. And literally as I'm walking in the building, I hear them announcing my name. I never sat down. I never even came close to sitting down. I walked into the building and started walking right up onto the stage to speak. At the exact same moment, my head is throbbing. My, I feel like I'm turning green. My stomach's all upset. I'm like, I need to go to the bathroom or something. Just I mean, you know what I mean? Y'all, y'all, y'all with me? And I remember in that moment uh, of walking up to the stage, I prayed this prayer. I said, all right, God, in my weakness, you're going to have to be strong. Anybody ever pray those kind of prayers? And so I'm walking up, and literally as I stepped onto the stage every bit of the sickness just vanished it was like the stage was this anointed place or something and every bit of it just vanished and I turned around and I started speaking and that was a night that I stepped into an anointing that I don't I'll be honest I don't usually carry Uh, I started prophesying over people specific direct uh, prophecies that were powerful I started preaching the word there was demons being cast out come on y'all we're Pentecostal up in here Uh, there was, there was uh, people slain in the Spirit, because, you know, that scary slain thing, slain in the Spirit everywhere. Uh, uh, people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. God was moving just around the room in, a, in an awesome way. In fact, I jokingly say that was my Benny Hinn moment, because I felt like, I didn't do it, but I felt like if I went <laughs> and blew on the crowd, everybody would fall over. <laughs> I didn't do it, but felt like it. And, and I walked off that stage and left, and I became Bren again. Nothing wrong with brunt. I have a different anointing. There are moments where an anointing will come on you for a specific task that makes that task easy and makes it more effective. It empowers you to do what God's calling you to do. Are you with me?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And so, so you see this 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 image, and I want to say that God still anoints today. It wasn't just for biblical times. You see it in your life, if you will look back over your life, at times when you've cried out to God because you need his help, you've probably had moments where you have stepped into an anointing, and you look back and you go, it just worked. It got easier, I was empowered, whatever it was. If you haven't had those moments, I pray that you do. So the anointing is for today. It's not just for biblical times. You can be anointed. Why? Because you are now the temple of God's presence. You are now God's presence. Remember, or God's temple. Remember last week we talked at length about this, that, that you are now walking, roaming tabernacles of God's presence. Yeah. You are a RV for God. Yeah. Some people probably got offended at the mobile home reference last week. I'll make you feel better about yourself. You're not just a mobile home for God. You're an RV for God, Okay. Whoa. Everywhere you go, people should be encountering God, not just you. That's right. In fact, if, if, if they're just encountering you, we are really doing a very poor job of yep. bringing the kingdom of God into our world. There's got to be something that's greater than you. There's got to be a passenger that you're carrying on this RV, the Holy Spirit, that's greater than you. So when people come to you, they're hearing words from God. They're being right. touched by God. They're experiencing right. God through you. Are you with me? Because yep. you are now God's temple. Okay. Second point, the anointing is for everyone. The anointing is for everyone. I'm going to do what I I don't often do, but I'm going to give you uh, quite a few scriptures over the next few moments, because I want you to see this pattern over and over and over and over again, where the Holy Spirit would come on people and empower them and fill them in order to uh, uh, be part of the Great Commission, right? To go into all the world and preach the gospel, the, the Great Commission. Commission just meaning coming together on a mission. You and I coming together for a mission, the Great Commission. Um, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is poured out. Verses 1 through 4. What does it say? When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on one of them. Nope. Y'all better pay attention because I could tell you anything. Came to rest on how many? Each of them. Each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So you have Peter and you have the early disciples, but you also have a room full of church people just like yourselves. And the Holy Spirit comes, the anointing of God comes to fulfill the Great Commission. And as it does, it's not just for one of them or two of them. It's not for the elect. It's not for those who are credentialed with some uh, organization. It's not for those who are ordained. It's for every one of them. And they're probably like, well, that's just crazy. I thought it was only for special people, which is why when Peter starts preaching the very first sermon in the history of the church, he says this in Acts chapter 2. He says this. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And just in case you were curious and you thought it was just for the elect, this promise or the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are afar off. That means it's also for a rise. That means it's for First Baptists. It's for First Methodists. That means it's for every church in America and in the world. It is still for you, for all those who are far, far off, for all whom the Lord, our God, will call. Huh. So just in case we thought, oh, it just ended in the in the, in the New Testament, in the beginning of the book of Acts, and church needed it right there. No, you are still anointed today. Uh, when they're having a prayer meeting in Acts chapter 4, uh, verse 31, says this After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled. Somebody say, All. all. You catching on to this? Yeah. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. <laughs> How about this one? Acts chapter 10, verse 44 through 46. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. So he's preaching. The Holy Spirit comes on everybody who's hearing the message. The circumcised believer, that's the Jews, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Do do you see this? We could continue on with verse after verse after verse. Going out of the book of Acts, we could go to 1 Corinthians 1. I think it's 1 Corinthians 10. And you get these over and over, this image that the anointing of God, the Spirit of God coming on you for a specific mission is not just an Old Testament thing. It's not just an early church thing. It is for you. The anointing of God is for you. You. I'm glad five of you got that idea, okay? You have been called for a specific mission, and you have been empowered to actually fulfill that mission. Right. Here's what we do very poorly. We think this. Well, the anointing, because that's how we say it in the South. The anointing is for the pastor. In fact, you know if you're from the South and you're from Pentecost, I'm just going to tell on a few of you. All you northerners, yeah, I don't know nothing about this, but all the southerners in the room, you know that the anointing hits the pastor when he starts to shout. Because <laughs> he'll walk up and he just talks. He's all nice and kind and the Bible says. And somewhere in the message, the anointing comes on him. And then it's like, ah, 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 ah. get ready, get ready, get ready. You know, you know what I'm saying. All of a sudden, so, then the anointing comes. He must not have been anointed before that moment. But then the anointing comes, right? We do that funny. All right, so, 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 so. so. If you think it's only the pastors who are anointed, then you're missing out on your anointing. That's right. And yet that is the culture that many of us have grown up in and around that when we talked about the anointing, it was always the pastors anointing or the singers anointed. Oh, that singer was so anointed. And the only time we ever even use the reference of anointing is when somebody's on the stage. And as soon as we do that, as we've been talking about throughout this whole series, you end up with one star who sits on the stage in a whole room full of lay people that worship the star instead of worshiping the sun and think that he has all the power, think that this guy is God's man on earth, instead of realizing that God does not want a star, God wants a galaxy. That's right. And you are that galaxy. Yeah. Um, in fact... I feel like I'm shouting now. The anointing must have hit me. <laughs> in fact, my job description as the pastor of Arise is actually written in the Bible. Okay? I'm, I'm going to give it to you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12 says this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It's a fivefold ministry. Uh, it's an image of those who are leading the church. Why did he give them? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up, right? So you don't have one bicep that's huge and one tricep that's small. So you don't look like the Johnny Bravo body of Christ that has a giant (laughs) upper body and a lower body. That guy at the gym, you know who I'm talking about. So that you don't end up looking like that. And when you accept that you are anointed and God will use me, not just the preacher, the New Testament model becomes one of galaxies that you are just as anointed as I am let that sink in. I know you don't hear this stuff enough. You are just as anointed as I am. Now it becomes about galaxies instead of a star. That you are a star for Jesus. Come on. Come on. So so God wants to ordain you in your calling, in your mission field. This is huge. So just as I have a calling, I have this calling to pastor this church and to lead this church, and I'm ordained and and, and, and called and and anointed to lead this church, but you have a calling where you are at and a mission field where you are at. Are you with me? This is very key because, again, if you think it's only the pastors who are anointed, then you will never become the galaxy God's calling you to become. That's right. Then you always look, oh, it's the, and many of us grew up in that model. Can you go to the next slide? Many of us grew up in that model, that model over and over and over where the pastor's supposed to do everything. Anybody know that one? Yeah. If I'm sick, the pastor has to visit me. If, if I have an issue, the pastor's supposed to take care of it. If I need counseling, the pastor has to do it because the is God's man. But what if the pastor's not just God's man? Maybe that's his position and his title at the church, but maybe the pastors are all around this room. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. There's a fivefold ministry. Uh, Some people would call it the APEST, just to make it simple: apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Every one of you in this room have a leaning towards one of those fivefold ministries because you're called into it. Let me tell you what happens. Uh, uh, all these years in ministry, I've seen this happen over and over. Um, we go to men's retreat, women's retreat. We go to youth camp. We go to this big event. We get on fire for Jesus. We love Jesus. We come out and we're like, yeah! And every teenage boy comes out going, I'm going to be a youth pastor. God's called me to full-time ministry. Hear me. God has called you to full-time ministry. That's right. Not everybody will pastor a church or work in a church. Right. Not full-time, at least. Not as, not as vocational ministry. But every one of you are called to full-time ministry. That's
0: right.
1: This is why when you get in a place where you're close with God and you're like, I just feel God's presence and, and, and I just know I'm called to full-time ministry. Of course you are. Not everybody's called to work in a church, but every one of you is called to full-time ministry. Right. And every one of you there, for you end up becoming one of those five-fold ministries. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, or teacher—shepherd being pastor—you become one of those fivefold ministries. Let me tell you how it plays out. How it plays out. If you, are, if you are, a pastor, watch this. You will start pastoring the people you work with. What does that mean? All of a sudden, all of a sudden, when when the person you work with uh, has an issue and they end up in the hospital, you'll be the one to go to the hospital and pray with them. Whoa. Uh, All of a sudden, when when somebody goes through a hard time financially, you'll be the one that your heart breaks for them, and you go buy them Christmas presents and take it to them. (laughs) Can can I just tell you, when when my family was poor, when I was a little kid and we had nothing, there was a guy that worked with my mom that would buy me Christmas presents. He was not working for a church, but he was pastoring. When somebody's going through a, a, a medical crisis of some sort, you might be the one that actually goes out and buys their food and takes it to them or cooks something and takes it over and delivers it to them. Why? Because you're not pastoring in the church but outside the church. But By the way, like, like back to my job description, to serve the Lord, my job is to teach you to serve the Lord. Most churches focus on serving in the church yeah. because there's always a need. And that's, that, that's not wrong by any means, but I want you to learn to serve the Lord outside the church. Right, right. <laughs> Not inside the church. Tr- I mean, I want you to serve, too, inside the church. But, but, but just, out there is where we really need yeah. servants. Yeah. and so you're, you're you're pastoring your workplace by caring for people just like the pastor would in a, in a church here uh, maybe you have a, a, a evangelist tendencies right so so you are an evangelist and it's just natural you you'll end up sharing Jesus with everybody you work with and, and loving on them that way and and sharing with them it's just going to come out of you because you're naturally more of an evangelist in that five-fold ministry it could be uh, a teacher and maybe you're the one that likes to take somebody along beside you and teach them and train them and raise them up in the ways of the Lord and, and show them. Maybe maybe you work with an evangelist. They work really well together because the evangelist can lead somebody to Jesus and the, and the teacher comes beside them and, and disciples them. But you'll naturally start discipling people. Are, are you with me? Yes. It, it'll happen. You, you, you can start little Bible studies at your workplace or whatever. It'll happen. Um, uh, where am I at? Uh, teacher. Prophet. prophet. Maybe some of you are have prophetic mantles that are on you. And when you hear prophetic, some of you think that means you prophesy. That, that's part of it, but the, 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 the prophetic title the mantle is the one who calls things into order that are out of order that's what the prophet's job was it's not just that they prophesy although that's that's good but everybody can prophesy and so you call things into order so if you're the prophet you're going to be the one that with fear and love of christ in the character of christ you actually look at people and say hey you're better than that what are you doing why why are you choosing that lifestyle Why, why and you'll actually call things that are wrong into order in your workplace if you're an apostle, you'll end up organizing things in your workplace. You'll be the one that goes to the boss or goes to somebody and says, hey, can we start a Bible study? Hey, can we start a prayer meeting uh, at lunchtime? Can we do this or that? You're probably the one that's organizing things. Uh, oftentimes, the apostolic leader is in management already, and so they might be the one that, that, that is in that position to say, hey, we can do this or that. I just uh, heard of a, a guy that goes to our church um, who has kind of recently kind of come to our church and sort of rededicated his life back to Christ, but he owns a Fairly large business, and in his business, now that he's rededicated it to Christ, he's starting a Bible study. That's that apostolic calling. He's going to lead it. He's going to start it, right? But here's what I'm saying. All five of those are not just meant to work in this building. That's right. They're meant to work where you are. Yes. Everywhere you go. Because your service is not just service to the church. Your service is to the world. Yeah. Your service is to the world. And God anoints normal people to do ministry. Normal people, if you're in this room and you think, I'm a normal person, perfect. If you're in this room and you think, I'm all that, God anoints me, well, you're probably already got issues. But if you're in this room and you think, I'm just a normal guy that comes to church and serves and tries to do my best, you are ideally the candidate that God wants to use. So when we use the terminology anointed and we say the pastor's anointed or the worship team's anointed or that singer's anointed, why do we never say that mechanic is anointed? Right. Why do we never say that HR person is anointed? <laughs> why, why, do we, why, why do we never say that that salesperson is anointed? Why do we never use it outside of the context of what happens on the stage? Because the truth is you can be anointed to lead your board meeting. Yeah. You can be an anointed uh, uh, person that works in economics or banking. You can be an anointed tax person. You can be a, believe it or not, you could even be an anointed politician. Come on. Amen. I know that's stretching it. <laughs> You can be anointed at whatever God has called you to do, but you have to receive that anointing, that understanding, and go with it. In Exodus chapter 31, they're building the tabernacle, and you see here in verse 1 through 5, and then if you were to keep reading in verse 6, where God is anointing normal people to build things. Listen, I don't know about, if you are a builder of a house, you very well may be anointed to build that house. If you are having a home built, you need to go over there and thank those guys and say, you may not even realize you may have an anointing to build this house. You don't realize what you're building. So, So what we have to do is start shifting our minds and changing our minds and realizing that you are a missionary in your sphere of influence. You are. You. You. You are a missionary in your sphere of influence. You are called to minister everywhere you go in those places. Right. You know, when we go on missions trips, it's always, it's always unique. Um, we would say there's different anointing that comes on us on missions trips sometimes. People speak who aren't used to speaking. They give their testimonies. They witness when they're not necessarily used to witnessing. Uh, they, they might do street evangelism. Sometimes it turns out to be kind of funny. Uh, a friend of mine, <laughs> an older man, a pastor's father, at one point was with us on a missions trip to um, Mexico. We were in Mexico. And he doesn't speak any English. And he was giving away free food. And he walked up to this lady and he's trying to say hola. And he's saying, ole, ole. <laughs> and she doesn't know what he's saying. So she just replies back, ole. <laughs> I don't know what language of 6,500 that is, but some funny things happen. But the very fact is when we go on a mission trip, all of a sudden our minds start shifting. And we start thinking, I'm a minister in this place. That's why I went. Yeah. You paid good money to go serve and work in another country yeah. or another place. What if, what if we shifted our minds and we started to realize you are a missionary where you work? Yeah. You are a missionary when you go into Walmart. Come on, somebody. Right. Yeah, you are a missionary when you walk in and out of Publix. Right. The way you act matters. The way you treat people matters. How about this one? This might really mess you up. You are a missionary on social media. Yeah. Yeah. Which means you can't say something ugly one second and then preach Christ the next. There's a lady that attends our church She was in the last service I brought her up and used her as an example Her name is Amy Fleming Amy's an amazing uh, lady A sweet little lady And and, and she's on TikTok I don't have a clue How old she is But she's not the normal age for TikTok Y'all should all go find her and follow her She is TikTok famous Legit And she has led thousands of people to Jesus On TikTok TikTok by just sharing the gospel and all these people watching, it's so much fun. It's so cool. Um, but, but, but I want you to see this, this, this idea that you are anointed for where you are at.
0: Yeah.
1: We, if we're not careful, we've bought into a philosophy that's simply not true. The philosophy goes like this. You have your public truth and your personal values, and the two should never touch. And so what you do in public is usually scientifically based that everybody can agree on the truth and what you do in private is your values and at least in the United States of America we don't really care much about what you do in private, it doesn't really matter as long as it doesn't touch public. Now of course that's nonsense for all kinds of reasons, but if you're having a private issue, it's always going to show up in public. It will. Yeah. For the record, if you're going through a divorce, it will affect your company.
0: Yeah.
1: And so if you've got a private issue, it's going to show up in public, it's always been that way. But we love to separate the two. In the kingdom of God, there is no separation between your private and your public life. There is none. It is all one, and that's the way it was meant to be. Now, I am not telling you to go blow up your workplace and, you know, stand on a box in front of them, and as they're walking in, go tell them they're all going to hell, (laughs) whatever, like the people at the football game. I'm not telling you to do that. What I am saying is you have a ministry in your workplace. You might need to go to somebody and say, hey, uh, I'd like to start a a Bible study at lunch. Many places you wouldn't even have to ask because it's your free time at lunch. You do whatever you want. And you could just announce, hey, I'm going to do a Bible study. Who wants to come? Nobody comes? That's okay. I'm going to study the book of James for three months, whatever. Who wants to come to it? Uh, maybe it's, it's I, uh, Esther Matute was in the last service. Esther, before where she works at the school, she has prayer meeting every single day for the teachers of the school that she leads. And they come in for prayer meetings. Those who can come into the resource room or whatever it is there at the school. And they pray together. And then they go off. And you know what begins to happen? When one of them in that school is having a hard time, who do they look to? Esther. They don't have a pastor. They look to Esther. She begins to pastor people through that. Right. So I'm not saying go in and cause and throw everything upside down and cause a distraction and try to be, force yourself. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is God has anointed you, empowered you for the task of being a missionary to your world. That's right. And we cannot keep separating this public life and private life. In fact, I believe with all my heart that part of what is revival is us actually getting this teaching and living it out. Yes. For so long, in all of my life, I can remember crying out for revival. From the time I was a little kid, pastors, revival's coming, revival's coming, revival's coming. And revival is always something like out there, ethereal somewhere that maybe we'll get to and maybe we won't. And I'm not even sure we'd know it if we got to it, but it's out there somewhere. And revival's always out there somewhere. But, but what if revival is not out there? What if it's in here? What if it's in you actually understanding who you are called to be, surrendering yourself over to that calling, and becoming anointed? And you actually become a walking, breathing, living temple of God, full of the fire of God, taking revival everywhere you go. Because revival's not out there, it's in here. And if we really want revival, it's going to happen because across this room and across the kingdom of God, people start to own what was once referred to as the priesthood of believers, where we start to realize that you and I are on the same level. There is no star on the stage and and lay people in in the church. And you know lay people, they just lay around. There is no star on the stage in lay people. There is only one anointing. There is only one calling. There is only one great commission. And we are all in it together. And we lower the stage and raise the floor. So we're all on the same page. And we actually start living out. And the way you expect me to live becomes the way that you live. Because you realize you're a pastor, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, whatever, in your workplace. You understand. And if we do that, revival can't help but come because you are a carrier of revival. I wrap up with this story or this this quote. Um, George McLeod was a a, a baron in Scotland and and, 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 um, started an amazing community called the Iona community where they were doing healing and and leading the way in worship a hundred years ago, literally almost a hundred years ago. And uh, just amazing stuff that George McLeod did. He was kind of a A rebel or a a maverick, so to speak, in the church world Teaching and preaching things that were not common of his time And I love this quote, I've always loved this quote He said this I simply argue that the cross should be raised at the center of the marketplace As well as the steeple of the church I am recovering the claim that Jesus was not crucified in a cathedral between two candles But on a cross between two thieves On the town's garbage heap At a crossroads so cosmopolitan That they had to write his title in Hebrew and Latin and Greek At the kind of place where cynics talk smut and thieves curse and soldiers gamble because that is where he died and that is what he died for and that is what he died about. This is where churchmen ought to be and what churchmen ought to be about. (laughs) I'm reclaiming that same identity that we want to be a place that is not about stars. It's about galaxies it's that priesthood of believers would you stand up with me we're gonna we're gonna close in a unique way in just a moment but before we do that there's some of you in this room and you do not know jesus christ as your lord and savior you have no relationship with jesus um... baby dedications this morning you might have come because you know your niece or nephew was was here some of you you might have grown up in church but it's been a long time since you've been in church and today is the day that god is calling you into a relationship with him John would say in Revelation that it's him knocking on the door of your heart, and he's not knocking to come in and and embarrass you or come in and and beat you or be ugly towards you. He's knocking because he wants to dine with you. He wants to have relationship with you, and some of you, I don't know who you are, but today is your day to say, I'm crossing the line of faith. I want to follow Jesus. I, I don't know who, but the Holy Spirit's been dealing with you in this room already, so would you bow your heads across this room for just one moment? If that's you in the room, and you say, Pastor, I'm going to give my life to Christ, if that's you, just stick your hand up and wave it at me so I can pray over you. Amen. 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 Come on, around the room, pray with me. Say, Jesus, Jesus I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, sinner. And, I need you. and I need you. And from this day forward, from this day forward I, surrender my life I surrender my life completely to you, completely and, I and I choose to follow you. To follow you. In, Jesus name. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Yeah. yeah. I love it. Listen, if you just gave your life to Christ, if you just chose to follow Him and prayed that prayer for the first time or rededicated your life to Christ after a long time, text Jesus to 21777 and we'd love to start a little devotional journey with you and help you out and walk you in those steps towards following Christ. Okay. And in a few moments, you'll see people come forward and I'd love for you to come forward with them at that point. Now to everybody else, I want to invite our prayer team to come on up front. Let me tell you one of the, what I believe, is one of the uh, problems of the American church that's not going to be solved anytime soon, so I'm going to attempt to solve it this morning. That is that we create separate classes of people within the Christian world. You have clergy, and you have lay people. You have ordained ministers, and you have servants of the Lord. And you unintentionally create this classification that says these people are higher than these people. It is not the biblical pattern to do that. Uh, I'm part of the Assemblies of God. We're part of the fellowship called the Assemblies of God, and and one of the most fun things that I get to do that I love is an ordination service uh, once a year. And in that ordination service, you have people that'll go through their level of credentialing with the Assemblies, certified, then licensed, and then if they carry that for two years and get their educational requirements done, then they become ordained in the Assemblies of God, and and, and then all of a sudden they have a double portion of the anointing. That's a joke. Making sure we've caught on with what I've been saying so far. No, they're not more ordained. They're not more called. All it is is now the Assemblies of God as a fellowship is now honoring what was already being done in the people. They're simply saying, hey, we recognize the calling that you have. That's all it is. Uh, But in that service, it's always so powerful. Um, Our superintendent will stand up, and and the ordinary candidates will all come forward, and and I, as an assembly God leader, get to pray over them. It's so much fun. And and there'll be one standing right in front of me, and, and there's this whole charge that happens. And he'll make these different charges about preaching the word and learning the word and, and loving the word. And he makes these charges that are so beautiful and he charges them. And then we, we, we have this mantle that we put on top of them and we pray for them. It's, I love it. It's one of my favorite things we get to do. The downside of that is then there's, then there's those people and everybody else. I want to tell you that God has come to create a galaxy, not a star. And you need an ordination service. Today is the day, you just didn't know it, for your ordination service. There are some of you in this room that you're like, I want to be used by God. I want to be used by God. I want to be used by God. Today is the day that God wants to ordain you, help shift the way you're thinking about things, ordain you to say, you know what, I am God's man, God's woman, to be used by you in this moment, this season, this workplace, wherever I am. God is calling you to full-time ministry, maybe not in a church, but full-time ministry where you are. So across this room, who are you? Who are you that you're like, I want God to use me? I want the anointing of God to rest on my life. I want God's presence to be on me. I want the anointing to be used by God. If that's you in this room, I want you to come forward. If it's not you, that's okay. But I want you to come forward and just hang out up here at the front. Or I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to charge you. And nobody's coming. Y'all better come. Y'all going to make me feel really bad. Everybody wait until I count three or something. If you're like, I want God to use me. We're going to have a commissioning service, an ordination service. And as part of this service, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit begins changing our mindsets. That I'm not just a layperson in the church, I'm not just a volunteer in the church. I am an anointed, ordained minister of Jesus Christ everywhere I go.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider subscribing and sharing this on all your social platforms? If you are moved by the message and would love to share your testimony, please email it to amen at myarisechurch.com. I pray you leave here feeling encouraged. See you next time.